0: life is not, it's not as linear as we want it to be. It's got a lot of complexities. And so Pastor Anna kicked us off last week with, uh, we are dying, uh, but we are alive, right? And so, if you still, if you still want to listen to it, it is online just for you guys to catch up, um, catch up to speed. And so this morning, uh, we will be talking about uh, lamenting and worshiping, uh, two things that uh, seem like polar opposites. But once we dig into the scriptures, we realize that they're actually closely related. They're actually tied in together. So, what we're going to do is we're going to have just a, a broad outlook, a broad uh, view uh, of this, and we're going to ask uh, three questions. Um, what is lament? Uh, what is worship? Um, then the third, the second question being, um, How? when do we express biblical lament? And then the last one being, um, essentially, uh, how do we then express this lament, all right? So before we begin, um, allow me to pray. Uh, pray for me. Uh, this is quite a heavy topic. Uh, I believe most of you would have walked in here uh, with something that you're probably lamenting over. So I'll pray for you guys. You guys pray for me as well. Let's close our eyes. Lord, uh, we we thank you once again that we could uh, gather like this. We We get to... Worship you in amazing ways, Lord. Um, But most of all, Lord, outside of worship, we we get to bring our anxiety before you. Uh, We get to uh, really be honest with you, Lord Jesus. And so even with the message prepared, uh, whatever words I've written, uh, whatever it is that has gone through my mind, Lord, um, cleanse it with your goodness. Uh, I pray that it speaks to uh, people's hearts here, Lord, people that have walked in here caring so much. Um, people that may have walked in here without any hope, uh, people that may have might have walked in here uh, saying this is the this is the last chance that I have to hear from you, Lord. And so uh, just praying for a major, a big encounter uh, with you, Lord Jesus, uh, praying that you may transform lives. Uh, praying for everyone's hearts here Lord, that you would just warm them up, uh, not to my voice, uh, not to my humor, not to anything that I have to say, but rather, what you have to say, Lord, that I'm just your mouthpiece, Lord. Uh, that is all that I am. I'm your mouthpiece, Lord. So, Lord, we want to give uh, this time to you. Um, bless it. Uh, um, make it holy. Um, make it meaningful, Lord. And so, Lord, uh, we thank you. We praise you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, one of the first few things that we have to ask is, what is lament and what is worship? So, if you go look at the dictionary definition of of lament, uh, lament is just essentially, it is an expression of, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow or simply a complaint. Now, I don't think we use lament in normal language, right? A lot of the time, it's something that we would associate with the Bible, but I would go as far as to say that lament isn't something that is uniquely Christian, Right? If you go online and you just Google something like South Africa lament, uh, you'll get a host of articles, none of them Christian. Um, The minister's lamenting inequality. This minister is lamenting an attack on this country or something like that. So this is something that is not uniquely Christian, but I would say that in the hands of a Christian, when a Christian laments uh, within the confines of biblical principles, it transforms them. And even at times when when they get to share that amongst a group of people, as we heard from Willow here, who just really shared an amazing story of her life, then it transforms the people that also get to hear this, that get to be witnesses. And in the same way, worship is also not something that is uniquely Christian. I know a lot of us think, um, what is your favorite music? And some might say, uh, I like hip-hop and I like worship music. Um, Worship is not bound to music. Um, Worship is so much broader than that. Uh, Worship, you could say, is actually an expression of adoration, reverence, and devotion towards something or even someone. So in our DNA, we are all made to worship. All of us worship. All of us are worshiping something, whether or not we're inside or outside the church. Now, when we shift our focus to the Bible, lament is a historical prayer language for hurting Christians, right? The, the rest of the Bible is just it's lettered with uh, people just going through stories, going through tough times, and documenting this in the form of their lament. And so, one writer says, it provides a biblical vocabulary and a model for talking to God about our pain or helping those who are walking through suffering. It is about casting our anxieties upon God. At its root, it's a way to worship. It is a way of it is a way of expressive of, of expressive grief and pain while seeking and recognizing God for who He is. And so, then we gotta move on and say, then when do we express uh, biblical lament? So we can, express, uh, we can express lament when we are grieving the loss of someone or something. And so one of the popular stories um, that, is, that is in the Bible is the story of Job, right? I know you guys are like, Jeremiah 29, 11, that's not me. I'm all about Job. That is the one book I love so much, right? And so what we see in Job's life is uh, right at the onset, um, a story of loss. He pretty much almost loses everything that is dear to him everything that is important to him um, in a very short space of time. And so, his, his very, very first few words uh, are a lament in chapter 3, right? And so, a lot of us can relate to this. And then, one of the other ways in which uh, we express lament is when we look at uh, our city, uh, our city going through a season of destruction, Um And so we we see this as well in the book of Lamentations, a whole book that is devoted to lament, right? And so we see Jeremiah just capturing the words of his sorrow, of his grief, as he looks upon uh, Jerusalem that is lying in ruins, right? And then the next one, we can even express lament over a city that keeps rejecting uh, Jesus Christ. And so we see this with Jesus Christ in Matthew 23, uh, verse 37 to 39, when he expresses sorrow over the people of Jerusalem who were rejecting him as a savior. And so the honest truth that I have to say is that a lot of the time with these three examples, I get stuck on the first one. I get stuck on me. I get stuck on what I'm going through, what I'm grieving. But I believe that during... In certain seasons, even as the season that we're going through as a country, right? with What's happening with the coronavirus and even more with what's happening with the inequality in in our country. Violence against uh, women and children. That it's not just about my lament, right? You could be going through a great season where you are not going through anything. But when we step out the door, so much is wrong. Something is broken then, so we need to also express lament for everything that's going around us, the destruction of our city, the inequality that exists, people that are rejecting jesus christ right so that is just as important and then with the last example, we can also we can also express lament of our own feeling of helplessness um experiences at the hands of wicked and unjust people how many of how many of you can how many of you guys here can say that man i love my boss not oh. if you're a boss how many people actually love you as the boss no you have to <laughs> just just one um, but what, what we find what we find here is is David's David's story which becomes the the landing point which becomes our framework uh for the rest of the sermon where uh David is also going through quite a lot um he's suffering uh under the the hands of an unjust king right and so his response is to lament and so for us before we go into uh before we read our scripture Psalm 142 verse 1 to 7 just a brief background on what is happening here. So Saul, uh, who was the the first king um, of Israel, uh, pretty much sees that David is 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 favored by God, and is favored by the people, and so he gets he gets so jealous that it sends him into a murderous rage where he actually wants to take King David's life, right? And so here's the amazing thing about King David, right? Um, Saul wants to actually take, take his life, and he tries several times, but David still stays. And I don't know who does that. Uh, the first time someone attempts to take your life, uh, you run, right? And so what happens is that we enter the story here where David is actually on the run, uh, where David is actually um, lamenting um, the unjustness of this whole situation, that he is innocent. And so, um, if you have your Bibles, um, can you please turn to uh, Psalm 142? Uh, it will be up on the screen, um, and I'll be reading from the NLT. Here's the word. I cry, I cry to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really need in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, so I can thank you. The godly will crowd me, for you are good to me. And so we, with that, uh, a lot of us see ourselves in that story. A lot of us are either in that story or we've been through that story. Right? Where we feel alone, where we feel abandoned, where we feel like, man, um, I don't, no one can help me out of this. Right? And so. One of the few things that has to happen is that um, we can either stay in that grief and that sorrow, or we can lament. But here's here's something I, I gotta say: it's just just because of the complexity of the way life is, right? All of us at a certain point in time will lament, right? All of us, right? The nature of this world, it's it's broken. Something is out of sync. We're continuously trying to correct it. And so all of us will have gone through something or, or are going through something or will go through something that requires to lament. But Christian, my thing is, how are you going to lament? Right? It's not a matter of when or if. It's how are you going to lament? So this leads us to the next question, which is, How to express biblical lament. And the first thing, um, not so obvious, is to to turn to God, right? That is the first thing, turn to God, right? The truth of the matter is our tendency is not to turn to God. More often than not, um, in those moments of pain, we want to go somewhere else. And so for me, if we're not turning to God, what ends up happening is that our lament is just empty. It's just an empty complaint, right? If we're not turning to God, our lament sounds like those uh, organizations or uh, politicians that all they do is we lament the tragedy that happened over the weekend. We lament this, but nothing is going to happen. There will be no change. No one has the strength or the power to shift things. But yet, when we lament, when we turn to God, oh man, that is such a beautiful testimony. Because when we turn to God, we are declaring something in that moment. We are declaring that God is all-powerful. right? We are declaring that God cares. We are declaring that God hears. Right? We are declaring that God acts. And we are also declaring that He knows best and can be trusted. Right. The truth, though, is that in all of this, it, it is hard to turn to God. And so, a lot of the time, instead of turning to God, we, we move the other way, right? And, and, I, and I get this, and it's hard. Right? But often, we kind of withdraw. We withdraw either by saying, you know what, I'm not going to pray anymore. right? I'm angry at God. I'm going to stop going to church. right? I'm going to stop reading the Bible. I'm going to stop engaging in community. And can I be the first to say, man, that is not the answer. Isolation is never the answer. If anything, I'd say, come, come back in, come closer. And so we see with David in verse 1 and verse 2, uh, turning to God and pleading with God, uh, crying out to him and pouring out his heart to him. Says, I cry out to, to you, O Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I, part, I pour out my complaints before Him and tell Him my troubles. Church, here, here's the lovely thing about who God is: His character is that even though He is the He's the sovereign ruler, even though He governs, He is pleased when you come to Him. God is not the kind of God that says, "You know what? That is too small." You know what? You deal with it, but God cares, and more often than not, He's saying, "Man, I delight in you coming." And I love, I love this verse in uh, Psalm one forty seven eleven, where, the, where it says, "The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, to those who hope in His steadfast love." And so, for me, it's as adopted children of God, who we'll call Him Father. He delights in us turning to Him in boldness and in confidence. So as we shift on, now we, we've learned that we turn to God. Then the next step is we, we ask, or in this instance, uh, we cry for help. For most, of, for most of us, we end up on one of two sides. Uh, one of despair and hopelessness. Um, that, and I feel that crushing resignation of, man, this is my life. This is it. Is, is, you know, nothing can happen here. There is no hope. And I'm saying, man, that is not the way, right? That is not the way. Oh, we can end up in the other extreme of total denial, right? Uh, everything is—I uh, call this the "everything is fine" brigade, right? You know those people, you know, like, hey, man, how are you doing? You know, it's like, no, I'm—I'm I'm fine, man. I'm fine. It's like, uh, your, your arm is hanging off your, uh, your your arm is hanging off your body by uh, a ligament. It's like, no, this, no, nah, I'm fine, man. I, I'll be good. You're losing a lot of blood, dude. Nah, man, it's, it's cool, man. I'm hustling. Oh, man, the treats, man, they look so good, man. Let's go have the treats. You know. And so a lot of the time, we just want to say that everything is fine, right? I'm good. Don't worry about me. And so I understand that sometimes the, this is how the world uh, wants us to be. The world wants us to be self-reliant. The world says, man, you do you. Um, you, be, you be self-made. Uh, this is your problem. You fix it. No help is coming. Right? And so, I'll, I'll be the first to say that, man, uh, even as uh, King David expresses uh, his sorrow, some of the parts are essentially, man, uh, there's no one to help me. There's no one that I can turn to. Uh, and I'll be the first to say, man, if we've been that kind of church, I'm sorry for that, man. We repent, right? Give us another chance. But more so, I'd say, man, um, with God, God never fails, right? I don't want us to be the kind of people that, uh, based on a bad, um, bad diagnosis from one doctor, we write off the whole medical profession, and we get to miss out on the great physician who's going to heal our hearts, And who's going to heal our souls? And so I'd say, man, fine. Maybe we have failed you as a church. We have failed you as an eldership. Maybe you've been to the point where you said, man, I need help. And no one has stepped in. No one has heard my voice. Please do not give up on God. Right? You can give up on us, but continue to turn to God. Continue to cry to Him. And so... For us, man, God, God is not looking for us to first clean up our game. God is not, God is not in the business of saying, "What, fix yourself to a certain point, then you will be acceptable to me." But God is saying, "Man, bring your whole mess, bring everything, and I will deal with it." Right. And so, as we shift forward, man, we we've turned to God. Uh, we we've cried to God. We've asked for His help. Then the next thing that we do is we speak truth. And so, this truth can be twofold. So, it has to be a truth about our situation, about what we are going through. And then a truth about who God is, in His character, and His attributes. And So, a couple of things. We can pretend with everyone. We can be part of the everything is fine brigade, but God, but God sees through that. God knows. And so God is not in the business of euphemisms or kindness, right? So a lot of the time, this is when someone says, how are you doing? How is your life? You know, If we don't do the fine, we'll do the, you know, it's kind of like we're screaming from within for help, but we'll say, yeah, I'm kind of I'm doing fine you know i don't even know what kind of doing fine is you know it's like i'm kind of doing fine i'm i'm kind of hustling you know but i'll be kind of fine and you know with god he's not looking for kind he's not looking for euphemisms he's not looking for you to downplay your situation in actual fact he's looking for you to approach him with boldness with confidence to say this is how i feel right for my family some of you might might know the narrative of what we've been through but 2018, 2019, very rough years. We're not completely out of it, right? So in two years, two miscarriages, uh, two times that we've had to take our daughter to the hospital for surgery, two times that I've had to take go see my mom in hospital, two times where I've received a phone call where I said, I don't know what's happening, right? And two times where well, I just said, man, I don't know what's going to happen this year if I'm going to find employment. I don't know if the bills will be paid next month, right? And so God wants that gritty truth. He doesn't want us to come to him saying, I'm kind of fine. I, th- I think the bills will be fine. But he wants you to come with that truth saying, God, I feel abandoned. God, I'm tired. I don't have strength. And so a lot of the time, the reason why we don't do this is because of self-reliance, right? A lot of the time, there's this sense of, you know what, I, I can handle this. I'll be, I'll be fine, right? I don't really need any help. And sometimes it's just a matter of that man. We we genuinely believe inside that no one can handle this. Which on either side of the spectrum, it's pride that's talking. And so the cry of lament, it helps us. It helps us bring us to a lowly state. It helps us to acknowledge that man. I am powerless. I am helpless. I don't have it in me. That my networks, my my competence, my accolades, my titles, who I know, what I can do. All of that is in in an effective currency. The only effective currency here is a lowly state. The only effective currency in dealing with all of this is saying, God, I don't have the strength. You are my only hope. So this lowly state then stirs up worship within us, right? And so when we shift on in this state of worship, uh, we declare unchanging truths about who God is, right? And to do this, this is important. We need to know God. If If we are going to declare truths about who God is, we need to know who God is. When I say we need to know who God is, we need to know him deep in the trenches, right? we we can't just know god at a surface level we cannot just know god based on borrowed faith or borrowed borrowed knowledge this the sunday gathering and our wednesdays those could those just cannot be enough those can't be a tr- a primary way of feeding ourselves those are supplementary right we need to be reading god's word we need to be engaging in prayer to get to know this Word of God, and the the lovely thing is once we start paging the scriptures, then we find ourselves in good company, right? We find ourselves in good company. We find the people of God going through similar things. That's what's lovely about the Bible that man, whatever they, they were going through, it's not so different from here, right? It's not so different from our time from what we what what we are going through. And a lot of the time, as we search through the scriptures, as we go through them, we realize that, man, uh, I can relate to this, right? Look how how God has dealt with these people, how he has been faithful to them, right? And so we find ourselves in good company. And so, if we are to lament well, we should know God but know him as our, as if our very existence depended on him. No surface level stuff. Because I'm telling you guys. When that season comes. Um, that sermon that you, that you heard three weeks back. It's not coming back. I'll be the first to admit. Uh, I don't remember what the sermon points were four weeks back. If you can tell me what the sermon points were two weeks back. Man, good on you. But I'm telling you. Most of us, after the sermon, within a week, within two weeks, we will not remember this. So, this cannot be it. This cannot be it. And so, we see in verse 3 and 5, um, um, David essentially speaking these truths where he says, I am overwhelmed. No one cares. No one is helping me. There's no one there for me. And so in verse 3, we even see that after declaring how he feels, after seeing that, you know what, this is the space that I'm in. I'm giving you the greatest truth, God, about how I feel. Um, The way he refers to God, he starts talking about God, about his character, about who he is. And so verse 3, uh, David says, that he speaks of God's supreme knowledge and wisdom. That this, this God isn't fumbling in the dark, right? This is the God, this is the God that he can trust. So in the verse, he says that uh, you alone know the way. Um, you alone know the way I should turn. And essentially what, what David is almost declaring, it's just, it's, it's such a simple line. But when he says, you alone know the way. Is that God, God is the only person that knows the right way. There is no plan B for his life. There is no other way. And a lot of the time, unfortunately, when we approach God, we're approaching God because every other plan that we've had to sort out our suffering uh, hasn't worked out. But as we see here, uh, King David says, Man, God, you have supreme knowledge. Right? This is this is the God that when his son was on the cross, he was not fumbling in the dark. Saying, you know what, this, I didn't expect this, I, but let's roll with it. But this is a God that knew what was happening. Knew each and every detail. And even as the lamented, saying, our Lord has passed away. Our Lord is hanging on the cross. Man, something was about to happen three days later. And God knew about that. So even as we as we continue, um, you know, God God is not surprised by what's happening to you. Um, God is there in the midst of suffering. And so even as we as we look at uh, what King David says here in verse five, uh, he reminds himself that this God is the God of salvation, is the God of his salvation, and that this God is enough. All right. And So God, th- this is not David. After the fact, this is not David after he's become king saying your salvation uh, is enough, that you are enough. But he's in the midst of it. I know, especially amongst the in the Christian circles, we tend to want to share the stories of victory. We want to share the stories after. We want to share the stories of uh, I have overcome, right? We very rarely hear the stories of uh, I am not overcoming. I am struggling right now and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I'm still hanging on to God. He is my salvation. He is enough. I don't know if the bills are going to be paid tomorrow. I don't know if my marriage will work tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. But He is my salvation. He is enough. And so because of this, we can then put our trust in God. And then this moves us to the last que- the last part, which is having, having turned to God, having cried to God, um, having expressed truth about our situation, about who God is. And the next thing is to trust in God. So in verse 7, uh, David says, Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me. For you are good to me, and so we start seeing this transformation within David. Where, in the whole in the whole psalm, it was littered with "I am overwhelmed," I, "I," "No one is helping me," "People are after me," "I have got no refuge." We see a different side of him towards the end here. And so, what we see here is a sense of trust, of praise, and of thanksgiving. And even the focus changes from rescue me because I need rescuing. But rather rescue me so that I can give you praise. Right? One, one of the most amazing stories about uh, the great exodus is that in the end, the, God speaks to Moses. And so Moses, uh, almost negotiating with God, saying, God, do not destroy this people. He says that this is for your name's sake because the nations kept talking about this God like man this God is amazing and so Moses says man God do not do this for your name's sake so that you may obtain ultimate praise and so we see this with King David where the focus is not save me because i want to be comfortable save me because i don't want um i don't want to have to deal with uncertainty right that has been one of the biggest things about our last 2 years it's Man, is is uncertainty and idol to our lives? Right? Is knowing that everything will be fine tomorrow an idol. And I mean, God is good. God is gracious. God gives in abundance. But we got to a point where he said, Man, um, we don't want to reach a point where the, the cry for certainty, the cry for employment, the cry for knowing that if we are to try for another child, that this pregnancy will go through that it's all based on wanting everything to be certain. So we see here, King David says, man, rescue me so that I might give you praise, that I might give you worship, right? That people may ask, man, your story is very unique. Who is this God that you serve? That it's it's not so much about my comfort, about what I'm going through. So in the end, there is this move from despair to joy, from fear to trust, from loneliness to hope. And so, what I do understand is that a lot of us are carrying we're carrying a lot. And even as Willow shared here, the, the great thing is when you get to hear these stories, where these stories are not euphemisms, where these stories are not kindness, where you can feel the truth there. Where you can still feel that the weight is still there. The wonderful thing is that, man, when we when we sit here, when you see people raising their hands to the heavens and praising God, then we know that, man, what is God doing in this person's life for them to be praising God? Yet we know, man, that they're in the trenches, right? So I know that a lot of us are carrying stuff. A lo- not all of us can come up here and share. For some of us, maybe we, we've never heard a message like this. For some of us, maybe we, we don't even know what it means to lament, right? For some of us, maybe we have been running away from God because we are angry at God. But I just want us to go through just a, a time of silence, just a time of, of lamenting, a time of reflection. The hope that is that whatever it is that you're carrying, that this will, this will help you just to go through it, to lament well, to get to know God well, right?